dawn, and as the sun breaks through the piercing chill of night on the plain outside Corum, it lights up a biblical famine, now in the 20th century. Michael Burke's report from Ethiopia in 1984 was one of the most significant news stories of the decade. It was shown around the world, and it had an astonishing effect. Band-Aid and then Live-Aid, set up by rock star Bob Geldof, got celebrities involved in fundraising. Between them, they raised around $150 million for the famine relief effort. The famine also inspired other ventures, such as Comic Relief, set up by scriptwriter Richard Curtis and comedian Lenny Henry, and then Sport Relief. The biennial events not only showed celebrities in comedy sketches, but also putting themselves through tough challenges. I'm going to travel from Paris to London by a bicycle, rowing boat and running the road. This is really like the toughest thing I've ever done and the toughest thing I possibly will ever do. More than a billion pounds has been raised since the start of Comic Relief. But it hasn't been without controversy. In particular, how such events often portrayed those in Africa as helpless and suffering. It's impossible for any parents to not be here and have your heart ripped off. When we come here to see it, when it gets too much, you can just leave the room. And they can't just walk away from it because it's every single day. Welcome to The Know How, a podcast aimed at bringing academics and professionals together to dissect the pressing matters of today. I'm Dr. Glenda Cooper. And I'm Dr. Lindsay Blumel. Today, we're going to be looking at the issue of white saviour complex, the way the developing world, and in particular Africa, has been portrayed in popular Western culture. We're joined by Sabrina Richmond, an actor and playwright whose new play, An African in the Snow, is at the Pleasance Theatre, Islington, later this week. We talked about how she felt as a young girl growing up in Africa with this kind of imagery, how controversy flared again this year with Strictly Come Dancing star Stacey Dooley, and how caricatures of people of colour go beyond humanitarian imagery to popular culture. I think on a personal level, I've had a lot of really great experiences, but the truth is we're still in this vortex of uh, very strange... I wrote down, when I was thinking through this, I wrote down a couple of things. So in the movies, for example, we've got angry black woman, unless you're light-skinned, then you're a sexy vixen. We've got the Italian mobster. We've got the Asian sensei or shopkeeper. And then I saw a call out uh, for a role that asked for, we need people of Pakistani descent, but with a light Pakistani accent. The idea of white savior complex has been traced back to the growth of the British Empire in the 19th century. The cultural idea of the conquerors having a duty to those they conquered was perhaps expressed most vividly by Rudyard Kipling's 1899 poem, The White Man's Burden. Take up the white man's burden, the savage war of peace. Fill full the mouth of famine and bid the sickness cease. Born out of imperialistic privilege, this paternalistic attitude lasted during the years of the empire and did not die out when the empire ended. Instead, it lived on in foreign policy, but also in popular culture, books, TV and films. But one of the most pervasive areas has been humanitarianism. 
The power of imagery first came to the fore in the Biafran conflict of the late 1960s. The photographer Don McCullen's powerful pictures of starving children helped mobilise aid, but also taught aid agencies that the public reacted to imagery of helplessness and suffering. It's 12 noon in London, 7am in Philadelphia, and around the world it's time for Live Aid. When TV coverage and celebrities were added to the mix in the next decades, an image was established. Suffering Africans, white saviors. So persuasive was the Ethiopian imagery that even children like Richmond growing up in other African countries were affected. I remember Live Aid very well. Uh, and I, I laugh because a lot of African mums would say to their kids, you know, like, eat your supper. There's children starving in Ethiopia. <laughs> so <laughs> you realize the sort of perception that was being sent even to us on your own continent about what Ethiopia was like. There was discussion in aid agencies about the way that those caught up in Ethiopia and crises afterwards were portrayed. This culminated in a joint code set up in the 1990s promising to portray those caught up in disasters with dignity. However, that's something that Richmond doesn't always feel translated through. I think what troubles me the most about it is that it's directly linked to whether or not a person has agency or dignity. Nobody with the homelessness we have in the UK, no one says, oh, British people, <laughs> this and that, you know. But whenever it comes to Africans, whether it's a story on the news about hospitals, you'll see topless mums being filmed. Yeah. You'd never have that here, ever. The controversy over white saviour complex reignited in the UK earlier this year when Stacey Dooley travelled to Uganda for comic relief. While out there, she posted a picture of her on Instagram holding a young boy and talking about how gorgeous he was. British MP David Lammy was outraged. The formula now, which is 20 years to old, is tired. It's patronising. Why can't we find African celebrities? Why can't we film direct on the night from Africa using African filmmakers to tell modern stories about that continent as well as the poverty? I think David Lammy's point was about having a larger conversation around how the campaigns are executed, how we talk about things, how we photograph, how we film. So for me personally, I don't think it's a personal thing. I think it's about the how. It yeah. is a couple of decades after the 80s now, and it's just reached a point where it's becoming silly to keep talking about it when we're saying certain things give people ideas about who children are in an African context. For Richmond, however, in the UK, the issue goes back further than the TV cameras and the celebrity fundraising that started with live aid and comic relief. It reveals something about the British past. I think this ideology that we have in the imagery we use is directly linked to how we think about race in the country. I feel very strongly about that. I think that we have very negative ideas. I think until we in Britain accept that to be the great conqueror meant that there was collateral damage, that uh, the great empire was rooted in slavery and colonialism, and that wasn't a great thing. But it's taught to us as if it is. 
But the UK and comic relief are not the only culprits. NGOs around the world have used imagery of the kind and powerful Westerner coming to sort out the problems of Africa. One campaign that went viral was Coney 2012, when the American charity Invisible Children launched a campaign to have the Ugandan warlord Joseph Coney caught and brought to justice. Our goal is to change the conversation of our culture and get people to ask, who is Joseph Coney? We have printed hundreds of thousands of posters, stickers, yard signs and flyers that are right now, today, being put up in major cities all over the world. The half-hour video was the first video to get a million likes on YouTube and featured Jason Russell, Invisible Children's co-founder and his photogenic young son. I'm gonna be like you, Dad. When you grow up? Yeah. Are you sure? I'm gonna come with you to Africa. It later emerged Invisible Children had got essential information wrong. Kony wasn't even in Uganda anymore, for starters. And there was a backlash against the idea of an American charity coming to sort out the problem of child soldiers in Africa. This spring, see the story of the black woman who became a world-renowned scientist, an accomplished cellist, and activist, and a man who was white while she did it. Her mic was too high, but I fixed it. It's fixed because of me. You're doing great. White Savior. It's got all the things white people love in movies about racism. But White Savior Complex goes beyond charity events to permeate films and books as the comedian Seth Meyer satirizes. It's something that Richmond can relate to in her own acting career. In our business, there's a lot of caricaturing of culture, especially the Nigerian woman, and accents are associated with intelligence levels. So you see it all the time, how a character with a certain accent is portrayed. You don't see a banker who has a Nigerian accent very often, do you? We're not good at it at all. And it's a very difficult thing to balance because on the one hand, you're like, hey, I'm just trying to work. <laughs> That's the first thing. But you're often in situations where people, a mixed race friend of mine, he's an actor, said to me, he's from Norfolk, and they'd said to him, oh, you need to speak a bit more urban, like, like where you're from. And he said, I'm from Norfolk. Richmond has tried to deal with these issues in her new play, which comes to the Pleasance this week. It's a one-person show which she characterises as a migratory journey, looking at the themes of identity and heritage. And it draws on her own experience. I remember, for example, being <laughs> in uh, Palestine and someone kind of said to me, do you have access to fruits down there? And it was just a funny thing because it, it brought me to think of live aid because they've had this image and it's just like Africa, there's lots of starvation. So this is the first African person I'm meeting. Uh, and so there are all these little stories and complexities and it's always wonderful to be in a position to just be like my mere existence questions or makes you question what you think you know about a specific group of people. Yet she feels that progress still needs to be made so that the simplistic stereotypes are overcome. So a child in Africa is not necessarily seen as a famine victim, just as a woman of colour in the UK must not have to represent every woman of colour. And I think one of the things is just talking about things 
not only from our communities and how we're reflected. What I think of is falling in the cracks. I'm a black woman, but I've also lived in five different countries. It's, it's not just one thing. And I think I want to see a lot more of that conversation. And that's kind of what I'm moving towards. You're more than just the one thing you're supposed to represent. You've been listening to The Know How, the podcast that dissects pressing issues with academics and experts. It was presented by Lindsay Blumel and Glenda Cooper and produced by Atina Dimitrova. For other episodes and live events, please go to our website, blogs.city.ac.uk slash The Know How Podcast, or you can follow us on Twitter at Know How Podcast or on Facebook at The Know How Podcast. Thanks for joining us.